Good morning, all my listeners, which isn't enough yet. So I'm asking you to stretch there in my podcast. Um, I haven't done a ton of marketing and I'm working on that with my coach. So hopefully we're going to get those numbers up. Um, this is the edfranklin.nolimits podcast. And you can contact me anytime at edfranklin.nolimits at gmail.com. Um, I appreciate you guys listening and um, I got a good one today. I, maybe it's maybe I think it's better than it's going to be, but I've had a lot of uh, I've been anxious about doing this when I thought of this last week. And what we're going to talk about today is storytelling. So, you know, storytelling marketing has become bigger and bigger. Um, I think it's always been huge. I just think that we have something to call it now. <clears throat> and of course, every expert in the world comes out. Um, storytelling marketing or is so important not only for your business but it's also important for yourself and as a salesperson for many years uh, it's important to know to tell your story right and and kind of resonate with your your customers or employees or whoever and so there's a few things about storytelling <clears throat> that are uh, that kind of pump me up and that is uh, you know they got to be real honest right you have to tell your story honestly, no bullshit. You got to be able to articulate what's happened in your life, good and bad sometimes. Um, you know, I'm not much of a negative kind of person. So when, but, but I mean, it enters into life and it's, it's part of life. So if it resonates with, a, with an employee or a, or a um, customer and it's relatable and you can discuss these things and hopefully that shows um, some vulnerability when you're talking to a customer or employee. Um, so storytelling is so important and, and it's, it's mostly important is the story you're telling and how you feel about it. Um, I'm going to tell two quick stories today and um, they're going to be about me, right? Uh, who I know best. And I'm going to take a different tact on each story. Uh, it's going to be the same time frame and everything, but I'm going to I'm going to just tell it a little bit different. And it's so important because when we're telling people our story, it's our self-talk, right? It's what we're talking about, what we've done, what we've had done to us, what we perceive that's been done to us, things like that. So I'll just I'll just get right into it, and then we can, and then I'll talk a little bit more about that later. So um, I talked a little bit a couple of podcasts ago, kind of about my life and how I grew up. And um, I was born in Seattle, Washington. Uh, my dad was in the Navy. Uh, we moved down to San Diego about when I was about three months old. And my mom used to tell me she hadn't seen the sun in three months and just couldn't take the weather in Washington anymore. My dad had grown up in Spokane. So I think he liked the state. He was used to it. But uh, my parents actually met in Hawaii. So because uh, my dad was in the Navy. But anyway. So we moved down here. Um, I, I'm not sure how my dad ended up getting out of the Navy up there, but I'm I'm almost positive that my dad was told to be in the Navy. This was back, this was back in the '60s, late '50s, where um, if a kid was having problems or and maybe maybe he was having some issues, I don't know the whole backstory, but I think it was the judge saying, "Look, either you go in the service or you go to jail." I don't know if that was the alternative, but um, so he goes in the Navy, did not like the Navy, didn't like the, um, he didn't like the, uh, discipline. He didn't like somebody, he didn't like being told what to do. 
my dad had his own set of issues when he grew up. I don't think he was raised uh, in, a, in a very loving place. And um, so, and, and, that, and that followed him into his being a teenager. <clears throat> my dad was probably the smartest person I've ever met in my entire life. Super wicked intelligent, but I think his brain was going so fast all the time that he just couldn't um, manage it. So he did it with alcohol, right? So my dad was an alcoholic. And when we were um, when we were kids, we were very very poor. We had lived in a lot of different places, and I'm going to try to go back to as much as I can remember, of course, because my mom and dad aren't with us anymore. And um, we lived in some pretty shoddy places. I kind of remember when I was four years old, my parents bought a house in East San Diego that was just—I mean, I—it it would be condemned these days. It wouldn't even um, <clears throat> be livable. Uh, it was like a one bedroom with kind of a family room. It was a it sat up on blocks and the way, so we, we had four, there was four kids in the family. So what my dad did is he built this patio, poured a slab, put a three foot brick wall on it with plastic windows, plastic doors, you know, the, like a screen door and um, a tin roof. And that's where four of us shared room. And it wasn't very big. I think it was maybe, I don't know, 200 square feet or something. What separated my sisters and my brother and I were, was a closet um, that was like just handmade closet. And um, our garage was like, had like, like a gravel floor and it looked like it was gonna tip over all the time. So, I mean, this was a, it was in a bad neighborhood and, and all that stuff, but they had bought a house in like 1964 when I was two or so and lost the house um, in, in Poway actually. Um, so, as I was growing up, like I said, we didn't have a lot of money. So a lot of the kids in the neighborhood uh, were similar to us, but I had met some kids in, um, in uh, elementary school that lived in much better places, right? So there was a place, there's a, there's a town or a little community in San Diego called Talmadge. And Talmadge was very high end from what I considered high end. And um, these kids had a lot a lot more than us. They dressed better. They had nicer houses, better bikes, better toys, better all that stuff. And and my parents struggled. I mean, my dad um, from his drinking was in and out of work all the time. My mom worked, and I can remember working her working at um, Kmart down in East San Diego. And she started off, I think, in the men's department. She was working like one to tens. We would go down and have dinner with her sometimes, or she'd come home and make us dinner and. If my dad was home, because he wasn't home that much, he would get us fed or my brothers and sisters would take care of me. My closest in age to my sister, she's four years older than me. And um, and it was rough, you know, it was cold. We had these old Navy blankets, I remember that were, you know, we didn't have a heater where we were at because it was in, um, in uh, this patio area. So we just, you know, bundled up with blankets and things like that. And, you know, we didn't have a lot of clothes. We had to you know, wear our clothes. My mom had a washer that you run clothes through. So she'd wash them by hand and then wring them through. And my dad, not being around or present all the time, put my mom through a lot, right? So my mom had to kind of hold the house together. She did a fantastic job, but it was tough. I mean, uh, growing up down there. And, you know, I think us kids got into a little bit more trouble than we, you know, probably wanted to. Um, it was just what was going on. And like I said, these weren't, we weren't rich. So if we wanted something, 
Um, I was not a thief, but I know a lot of my friends just took what they wanted from places. And, uh, you know, it was kind of a rough life. Now, we did end up moving to, um, and I ain't going to tell you, so when I was a little kid, my dad would, uh, there was times when he would take me with him to a bar, okay? And I'd either sit at the end of the bar, have a, you know, what do they call him, like a Roy Rogers, while he sat down, he got hammered with his friends, and cigarettes, smoke, and all this stuff. And here I am, a little kid sitting in a bar away from them, but still in a bar. Um, I, I can remember one time he left me in the car, went in to said, I'll be right back and never came back. <clears throat> I got out of the car and walked home. And this was why I still live in East San Diego. So it was less than, you know, probably, I was probably 10 years old at the time. I mean, stuff that probably these days, if CPS was called, they would have been, um, my parents probably would have been arrested or at least my dad. Um, I remember one, one thing in particular, when we bought the house at Poway, finally, my parents were able to scrape things together and really my mom scraped things together and buy this house at Poway. It was October 3rd, 1974. And I remember this, we went to, my dad had to go sign some papers and the realtor that sold our house to us lived up the street two doors. And he, um, he was starting to drink, right? So my dad starts drinking and usually he wouldn't do that when I was with him at least not that far away from home. And we finally leave, it's dark, you know, it's the time had changed already. So it was probably six or seven at night and we're moving the next day. But my dad is just shit faced. I mean, he's just hammered. He couldn't drink a lot. He maybe three or four beers and he was done. And he's driving me home to East San Diego. And I remember going down to 163. And like I said, I'm 12 years old at the time. And we're coming off the 163 onto the 805, making this big sweeping turn. And man, I am like, no seatbelt laws back then. We're in a 67 Impala that my dad had convertible. Nice car, but it's an old car. And we're maybe, uh, I mean, maybe a foot away from the wall on this thing. And I thought I was dead. I mean, I thought we were going to crash the car. Or my dad was going to crash the car. And I'm looking at him and he's falling asleep while we're driving. I mean... And I'm saying, hey, dad, you know, and I'm asking him a question, trying to get him to wake up. And finally gets me home. I don't know how the hell we got home. I mean, God was definitely sitting in that car with us. And he, him and my mom get into it and he leaves, right? So who God only knows where he went. So we go and eat and we do all that. We wake up in the morning. My dad's laying on the couch. He's got his sunglasses on. He's passed out. And he takes off his sunglasses, got this huge black eye. So he had gone up to a bar, got in a fight. And keep in mind, my dad's in his 40s, early 40s then, when we moved in there. And um, he's a he was a rebel rouser. I mean, he was fighting all the time. He'd go to bars and and uh, scam people with pool because he could shoot pool like a professional. And he would uh, play these guys and end up, well, he played the wrong guy, apparently, and got into it. So then uh, my parents were divorced at the time, but they had to get remarried to buy this house. It was just the law back then. You had to be married. It wasn't like now you could buy a house with a monkey now. But um, so my dad finally got a you know pretty decent job at Miramar and he was working, but he would uh, he would call me and tell me he's on his way home and not come home for like three days. And I, as a teenager, I would lay in bed and just worry about my dad. He'd pull up like at three in the morning and finally he could go to sleep. And this went on for a couple of years. And uh, it was very hard on me as, you know, I'm trying to look up for my dad. My mom's holding everything together, still working at Kmart, but now she's gotten a promotion. And um, so it was very tough. I mean, we had, 
you know, me trying to look up to this man figure who's not there. And when he was sober, greatest guy in the world, you know, taught me how to work on cars, taught me a lot of great things. But man, this drinking was just that he, I, I tell this joke all the time. I, he would get me, a, my first car was a 67 Volkswagen. That was mine. He and I built, rebuilt the motor and he took it to the VFW in Poway, came home wrecked and gets me another car, 65 Mustang. So that's bitching. He gets it done, goes down to Mexico, gets all this stuff done to it, takes it to the bar, comes home, wrecks my car, gives me another car. Uh, he's replacing what he's ruining. Uh, he had a 73 Grand Trino Sport. I used to drive this thing. I was a bitching car and I used to drive it. He, um, a week before we were supposed to go see my grandfather up in Washington. My mom had vacation plan. My dad had vacation. Takes the car to the bar, comes home, wrecks the car. <clears throat> and um, I think I had my cars out of order there, but it'll fill in here. So my mom's like, well, listen, we got we to go on this vacation. I mean, we've already planned to go. I got the time off. We're going to take. So we took a 67 Volkswagen with uh, my sister and I, a dog, and my mom and dad up to Washington, 1,500 miles we drove to Washington. And ironically, my mom had some premonition, apparently, because while we were there, my grandfather passed away. So that was my dad's dad. And he was crushed. I mean, he, uh, it was very hard on him. And, um, you know, we get back. We had made another trip there, uh, you know, later when I actually had my permit and take some time. But, you know, my whole point to this is that I, I had every reason not to succeed in life, every reason to give up be a criminal, be whatever I had. I had every reason to do that. And no one would have probably faulted me. They probably would have just blamed my parents or my dad, especially, and just let it go. And um, I told you this before. So my dad got cancer when I was 19. I was just out of high school, well, kind of a year and a half out of high school. And about six months later, he passed away. And I was there when he passed away. I was there. Um, actually I wasn't in the hospital when he passed away, but I was there the day before and my grandmother was coming. It was a whole long story, but I mean, it was sad. There was a lot of things I could pick out of my youth that, um, like I said, no one would blame me for using those as an excuse or whatever. And, um, it's just really hard growing up and my dad just wasn't there all the time. And, um, and, uh, anyway, so that's kind of my childhood in a, you know, condensed thing. Now, that was my story, right? That's the story I just told you. But I can tell you, I'm going to tell the same story in a different way. And it's going to be just as true as what I just told you. But it's going to be the way that I think my mom kind of more taught me how to, to use right positivity and things like that and kind of look at things a little bit different. So let me tell you the story in a different way. I was born in Seattle. We moved down here and I was three months old because my mom just couldn't take the weather. Couldn't see the sun in three months. We moved down to, uh, and I'm not sure where we were living. Obviously, I was only about two years old. <clears throat> and my, we ended up buying this house in uh, East San Diego. I think the house was $10,000 in 1966. I was four years old. And it was fun. I mean, we had this cool, it was, it was just fun. We had our own place. We had friends in the neighborhood. We used to play outside till the street lights went on. We used to, uh, I don't know, my sisters used to take me out during the summer and we would collect bottles and cash them in and get candy and, and just had these fun times. And there was a place called Kalina Park that was close by. We used to go to and run around, play football there. They had a swimming pool, basketball court you could rent, you know, 
not even rent. You just went up and asked for a basketball to give you one to use it, give it back. And we had this great time. And when my mom was working at Kmart, we used to ride our bikes down and have dinner with them. They actually had a, a restaurant in the Kmart and the food was great. Of course, I was you know a kid, but I remember getting these hamburgers and and it was just fun to see my mom. Then we'd go home and she'd come home about 10 o'clock, make sure we were all squared away. And uh, my dad may have ran out of bed home. But one of the things I used to do with my dad a lot is he would take me to the swap meets uh, down in Spring Valley and we would take his motorcycle and I'd always get to ride um, on his motorcycle. And we used to have these great parties at the house and the holidays were awesome. I remember when I was 10 years old, I got the mumps, the, the two weeks of Christmas vacation. I had the mumps and um, we had a big party on New Year's Eve. And I, I remember going out playing all day and I was sore for like three days because I hadn't done anything in two weeks. But during the holidays, my mom always figured out a way to make the holidays great. We used to go shopping down in Lemon Grove. And um, I just saw, remember these great times hanging out with my sisters and just kind of being adventurous. There was a canyon by our house. We had bicycles and we would, you know, find parts and get the bikes fixed up and do whatever we had. And, We'd go to these discount stores, kind of like, uh, I guess it'd be equivalent to a dollar store now and buy things for my parents for Christmas. And, you know, birthdays were great. It was like my mom every year during Easter would get us swimsuits. And so we'd go to the, either the local pool or we'd use the hose or whatever we had to do. And I remember <clears throat> when I got out of first grade, I remember this like it was yesterday. I had this teacher I was in love with, Mrs. Peterson. And we had this, we had these car, well, sorry, let me, I'm jumping around. And when I got out of first grade, we got, we had all these gifts, like, um, I don't know, we must have had like a party or something. And we got all these summer gifts and um, I was just, I just remember going to the school. I went to the school for seven years. It was kindergarten through sixth year, sixth grade. And I knew all the kids there and I was pretty popular and the teachers were cool for the most part. And it was just a great little community during the, during um, Halloween, my parents would help out. Uh, it was an indoor school, so there was hallways indoors, and they used to put a, a haunted house in there, and my parents would get involved, and they'd, they'd, we had these carnival games, and it was just a blast. And then they'd have cakewalks and all this fun stuff I can remember from being a kid at the school, and got to do a lot of these things with my kids when they got older, too. And it was a great experience being a kid in where we lived, because um, even if my dad wasn't around, my mom made it fun, right? We watched the Brady Bunch and the Partridge family and did all those things that everybody else did that grew up in that time. And like I said, we had friends and we would, you know, we'd go on adventures and things like that. And when we did move to Poway, finally, um, I met people right away, uh, had, a, had a great time in Poway, played sports, uh, met some great people that I still have friends. I have a, I have a handful of friends that I still uh, talk to on a regular basis from when I was 12 years old. And my mom was always very encouraged, very, you know, you can do anything you want. Uh, you know, I had instances with sports where my dad would encourage me. My dad would shoot baskets with us. Uh, he was a very good athlete when he was younger. He used to go, actually, we used to go to the gym at Poway High School and play basketball. My dad would actually get in the game and, and play with us. Um, so that was fun. I, and like I said, we used to ride from San Diego down to Lemon Grove on his motorcycle. I'd like, I feel like it was almost every Saturday morning we'd do that. And then we'd go over to his friend's house and, and, you know, get a soda or whatever. And, and, you know, my dad would help me buy stuff if I didn't earn enough money, like a new skateboard or things like that. And I just, you know, we just rode skateboards and just had a blast, right? We were very free. Um, it wasn't as dangerous back then, I guess. And um, we just had a great time. And 
and um you know the street i grew up on i knew everybody knew me i knew everybody and when my dad uh in in high school um uh, you know the thing is funny about my dad so he would he would get up we had basketball practices freshman we had to get up at like i don't know four in the morning and go play basketball before school and uh, i made the team so he would get up every morning and take me and during Christmas vacation, when we played basketball, he would take me. I'd get myself home, but it was only about three or four miles. So we'd either get a ride or walk or whatever we did. And man, it was just fun growing up in Poway, right? Like I said, a lot of people still live in Poway that I grew up with. So I get to see those people. Once my dad, um, I told you my dad passed away and uh, it was tragic. I mean, he he had a rough life and he it wasn't, you know, he didn't have a fair life. Nobody has a fair life, but his was... This was tougher than the average bear, right? And when he passed away, my mom was not working at the time. And he had signed up for a life insurance policy about, I don't know, maybe six months before he passed away. Not, not even really knowing what he was signing up for. There was no physical required or anything like that. So my mom was able to not work for a while and, um, and, I would get off in the morning, like at eight thirty in the morning, and come home. And we hit my mom and I had these amazing conversations, and she taught me a lot about my dad and about my mom, about her. And you know, we had these people conversations. It wasn't a mother's son; it was more of a just these great conversations. And I and my mom passed away in ninety seven, and I I had I was one of those kids that stayed very very close to my mom, not a mommy's boy, but we were we spoke a lot, and we. She knew about things that were going on in my life. I knew about things that were going on in her life. And she met the greatest husband she could ever meet after my dad passed away for her, right? So my parents had more of a, you know, that young marriage. And it was, uh, you know, they loved each other, but it was business, right? It was working, taking care of kids. And she married Ski, Leonard Lezinski. Uh, this was her knight in shining armor. I mean, these they, they spent every day together. They went on vacations. They... I remember my mom, it was so cute. They had a tourist station wagon. She used to sit in the middle like a cowboy, like a cowgirl, you know, next to a cowboy. And um, now it was just an awesome relationship to watch and to learn from. Uh, my mom and dad, not so much, but, you know, I always kid with people and say, my dad taught me how to be a hard ass. My stepdad taught me how to be a man, right? I, somebody who could love somebody and things like that. So, um, I got to know my mom so well and learned so much about life from her uh, on a, you know, on almost like a peer level. So, you know, that's, that's it. So those are the two, those are two stories, right? Um, I know I didn't get super deep into them, but you guys get the point. So when you're out there telling that story, you're going into a relationship or you're getting into going to work for somebody or you're in a sales atmosphere, your story is so important. But not any. But the most important part is the story you're telling, is your self-talk, right? See, I could lean on all those bad things. I could, I could say, well, you know, I'm not good with girls because my dad was a jerk or whatever like that. It, it, because you know that this, like I said, this is what you're telling yourself. This is about the self-talk. This is about what you see in the mirror when you get up in the morning. Listen, I'm gonna keep pounding you guys in the head with getting over limitations, having value in life. I know you should know, your friends should know, everybody should know what your potential is. And if your friends or your family 
are not supporting you and they're not leading you down the path of success in any, whatever it is, whether it's business, relationships, whatever, you need to rethink your relationships. That doesn't mean you need to cut people out of your life. But I got to tell you, over the last year, I've had to disengage from some people, right? I just don't want to hear the negativity. I know negativity is a reality in life, but I don't need to be, have it pounded into my head. What I need is encouragement. What I need is, you know, uh, people to reinforce what I think I can do. When I have those days when I don't feel like I want to get up. I went, I worked out this morning. I felt fantastic. But there's days when I get up, I don't want to work out. I know if I do, it's going to be better for me. But I want, I need those, I need those people in my life. And so do you that are going to encourage what you're going to do. I met a gal this week. It's going to be on my podcast next week. This is just phenomenal. I just, we met in a, you know, in a networking group and I had a chance to talk with her this week and she's just a great kid and you're going to love this girl. Um, she's just one of those positive people that wants to help you succeed. It may help her succeed too, but I think her first notion is what, what can I do to help you? And she's realist. She, she understands that. We all do things that we shouldn't be doing to ourselves or to other people, and we need to stop, right? And I know it sounds super easy, and it, and it really is easier probably than you think. But let's go back to the whole reason for this podcast today. That's that storytelling. What are you telling yourself from your youth or from last year or from what's going to happen? What are you telling yourself you're going to be like, right? Are you, do you have integrity? Do you have all those things that you want? Do you read memes that are positive memes like the ones I put on Facebook and get something out of those? Do you resonate with those things? Are they just bullshit? You know, if they're just bullshit then and you don't care and <clears throat> things like that. See, I don't think that's the truth. I think what you really want is you really want a positive life with positive people and things like that. And you might not know how to get that. You may need a coach. You may need somebody that's there pushing you going, hey, it's all right. It just, it just happened. As I'm working through this marketing, as I'm working through this branding, rebranding of myself, really, I'm getting challenged. I'm getting questions asked of me from all kinds of different people, mostly my coach. It's making me think, and it's stuff that I haven't never thought about. I thought I was fine doing what I was doing, but when you look at it, we went through an exercise probably uh, six weeks ago. She saw something in me that was kind of holding me back, right? And we went through this exercise that talked about anchors right things that are things that you haven't let go of um and we all have them we all have these little things in the back of our mind stuff that happened stuff that we did stuff that was done to us and we, we it's kind of like dragging sandbags behind you you know they're just dragging and they're kind of holding you back and you really need to cut those loose um how do you do that we went we did an exercise and i have some things here in front of me that i read on a daily basis that helped me cut those, cut those ropes, right? That helped me stop dragging that shit behind me. There's people in your life that, you know, whether it's from a divorce, whether it's from a friendship, a death, you know, whatever those things that are holding you back, nothing's going to change in the future if you don't cut those things loose, right? You don't have to forget them, but you can't let them be part of everything that you do, right? Some people are, you know, have gained, I gained weight over COVID. <clears throat> I gained weight. And 
in my mind, I want to be that thin person, you know, thinner. I wouldn't say I'll never be thin, but I want to be that thinner version of myself, even at my age, right? I'm not 29. It's not like it's going to come off like that. I got to work at it. But that doesn't mean I can't stop working on that goal, right? That goal and a hundred other goals that I'm trying to get put together. So these stories that you're telling people and you're telling yourself can kill you if they're, they're coming from the wrong angle. Those two, those two stories I tell you are exactly all the things that were going on at the same time. Look, my dad's problems were not my problems, right? That was his thing to deal with. He dealt with it the way he dealt with. I got a chance talking to my mom and, you know, hanging out with her to understand that my mom was a person and she had her own, you know, desires and wants and all those things. And my dad too, and me too. And my kids are separate from me. Yes, they're my children. They don't have to do, I know they have different likes. They have different things they want to do. I'm very good. I think about my kids' privacy. It's their business. If they do something stupid that I, in my perception is stupid, <clears throat> well, that they have to deal with it. I don't know. I shouldn't have to deal with it. I would try to help my kids in any way I could. But I also got to let them be. Let them grow up. Let them make mistakes. Let them do what they got to do. Um, and it's painful sometimes. You know, we used to live on, before we moved to this house, we lived on a, the bottom of a hill. And this hill, I probably left two pounds of, you know, skin on that hill from skateboard riding and everything. And I used to watch the kids coming down the hill top you know when they were on their bikes or skateboards and everything or other kids and I would watch these kids and I'd watch on a skateboard they start getting these speed wobbles and I just couldn't get there right you're you're watching them crash but you can't you're just not fast enough to get there sometimes that's what we'd have to do with our kids we're, we're going to watch them <clears throat> we're watching them wobble we're watching them starting to fall and we can't get there quick enough that's that's just life right we can be there for them afterwards but while they're going through those wobbles, there's nothing we can do. I want to help you with the wobbles, right? The, the whole idea of this podcast, the whole idea of my goal in life is to help you maybe be more prepared to go down that hill, right? So maybe we get you a better skateboard or we get you, we get you better at skating or we do whatever, right? Just a metaphor. So you're not going to, wobble and fall and crash <clears throat> use my mistakes use my you know knowledge my wisdom that i've gained over the years i mean shit i must have to learn something over all these years right i want to give that back to youth to 18 to 40 year olds and say look i i think if you do this this could be what could happen now i'm no i don't have a crystal ball but i can tell you this is what i did this is what happened when i did that i was I'll talk to people a lot and I'll say, you know, you get those emails that piss you off, right? Someone writes you something and you're like, you know what? I just, I, and you start to type. I've done this a million times, it feels like. And I stop for a second and I go, you know what? Delete drafts and let me get back to it tomorrow. Sometimes when we react really quick like that, it's a big mistake. We need to think about what we're doing, what we're saying to that person, the message we want to get across to them. When we react quickly, sometimes it doesn't work out so well. If we think about it for a minute, I would tell my kids at times that these problems are a lot less big than you think. And that's just age thing. I mean, I know we have, if we have a situation in our home, 
with friends or whatever, I usually like just just calm down, let it work itself out. <clears throat> and 90% of the time it does, it just works itself out. Um, I'm I'm a fixer, right? I want to be that guy that fixes everything, fixes relationships, fixes all those stuff. But I've had to really back off from that and just say, look, I just need to let that work out. It's not my business. What people think of me is not my business. If you guys hate this podcast and don't want to listen, that's your prerogative. I mean, that's I, I'm not going to force anybody to listen. What I need people, the people I need to listen are people that need help. They need to have a different perspective, a different look on life or what their situation is. And they should have 15 of those, not just one. They should have 20 people. I know I follow a lot of different people on Facebook and Instagram, and I'll see them saying pretty much the same thing we're saying now, very different style. Um, you know, they'll talk about stories. They'll talk about the what ifs. I always say the what ifs. What if I had more income? What if I had a better relationship? What if I spent more time with my kids? What if I learned how to skate, right? Back to that metaphor. What would that look like? What, what would it look like if I could change those things? And if you can picture that or vision, you know, get a vision of that in your mind, it helps the process, right? Then you, then, then when you're going out to the gym, I just go to my garage, but then when you go to the gym or you go to do those things in life, they're not as hard because you know that if I do this and it gets me to this point, it's going to make my life better quality. And I'm not just talking about money. This podcast was really not designed to be about business or money, but it's so relatable most of the time. The metaphor I often use is the gym, right? You can join a gym and pay the monthly fees, but if you don't go and use it, it's worthless. Um, if you read a book, we had this discussion the other day with somebody. You can read a hundred books that are motivational, that have all this great, you know, techniques in it, how to sell all these things. But if you read that book and don't do shit with it, you get nothing out of it, right? So sometimes I say to people, look, stop reading books just for now. Go back to those ones you read, the ones you understood, the ones you resonated with, and now apply those things. When we, when I did hire this trainer two years ago. I knew all the stuff he was telling me. I just wasn't applying it. I just needed him to help push me and to encourage me and to, you know, as silly as it sounds, just to like me in that situation and what I was doing. Was I working hard? He used to say that I was a hard worker in the gym. I appreciated that. It made me work harder the next time. Don't think that those are, those are just don't throw those things away. You know, use that encouragement. Use what I tell you. Use what other people tell you encouraging wise to as as stepping stones to get to that next level and for god's sakes if you got some people in your life that are negative just stop just stop with it right as we moved to this house we got some you know we got some negative feedback on the size of it and things like that listen it's kit it's our business right there was a lot of reasons why this thing worked out for us and is working out for us don't just if you don't like it just shut the fuck up for a second you know Sorry about that. I was kind of harsh, but I just don't think, you know, we need to go and tell people, you know, that's an ugly dress. If they like the dress, it's, it's up to them if they want to wear it, right? We don't need to be those judgment. We just have so much judgment in life these days. This is why we have most of the problems we have in life. So anyway, I'm kind of digressing here. Back to the storytelling. Um, I was at a, a thing, I think I probably said this three times, and I know a lot of these podcasts are going to kind of be saying the same thing, but it's, it's that reading the book. You're not getting it yet, right? I, I don't think. And maybe I'm reaching some new people, and I hope I am. I hope you're sharing these 
and saying, dude, you got to listen to this guy. You know, he's, he's good. I was at a, uh, a, um, trade show, like not this January, but the January before. And they, there was a really good guy got up and talked about marketing. And he says, you know, there's three pieces to marketing and this is in business or life. You know, you got to have a story, you got to have a cause and you got to use humor, right? So we got to laugh at ourselves once in a while. We got to have a cause. My cause is to try to help you and anybody else I can help be encouraged and not let, you know, other people step on their dreams you know, not be afraid to be great. We had that discussion the other day. And to tell that story, that story, I cannot tell you how important that is in every aspect of your life. It's the story you're telling yourself, right? Listen, I've had tragedy in my life that would blow you away. It's like TV tragedy, like stuff that happened in my life that I, I'd never, I never could have even dreamed the stuff up. However, it can't be an anchor in my life. It didn't happen to me. It happened in life. And that stuff's just not going to go away. You're going to lose parents. You're going to lose friends. You're going to lose people. You're going to have a falling out with a friend. You're going to have, you, hopefully you don't have a divorce, but it could happen. You know, your, kid, your kids aren't going to always get along with you every second. You cannot let those be anchors and hold you back. Listen. I was talking to my trainer or my coach yesterday and there's like three things that I do all the time. And that's one of them. I say, listen, or I say, right. There's a couple other quirky little things. You guys probably jump out at you. You are blessed. First of all, to be in this country, right? Most of you, I hope are very healthy and you have the opportunity to be healthy. And if you're not, that can't be an anchor either. Sometimes, and because you've seen it, you've seen stories about people that are, you know, handicapped and things like that, and they're still succeeding at a high level because it's mostly up here. It's in your head. And I am the worst critic of myself, just like you are. And I'm trying to tell you that don't listen to you sometimes. Listen to me, okay? Because I can see things in you, even though I'm not even looking at you right now or speaking to you. If I sat with you for 10 minutes, I could draw things out of you that would show you how important and how much value you have in the world. Okay. Understand that. I tell you, I love you all the time. It's not just the thing to say in 2021. I deeply, honestly do love you. I don't like all of you. I want to be completely free with that. I mean, I don't think that you and I, all of us would get along in, a, in the right, in, you know, in any setting. Most of, I, my, most of you would, but not all of you. But even those people that I don't really like or want to hang around, I see so much potential in them. I see so many good things. There's nothing worse than going into a, a situation, and it's happening a lot more now with the pol current politics we're in, and all you hear is somebody complaining. All, all you hear about is all the bad stuff. <clears throat> we just got our taxes done, and... To some people, they would say, oh, they're taking all this money, this and that. You know, I, I have to contribute to America just like you do. We have to pay for roads. We have to pay for all these things. I, I don't necessarily like the way the tax system works, but I don't mind paying into it. It's part of my income. It's something I have to do. Look for the good things in people. That's all I'm saying to you. Look for the good situations. You know, listen, I grew up in San Diego. How many people in the world could say that? 
and I grew up in Poway, which was just awesome. So as so with all the faults my parents had that I pointed out today, they got us to San Diego. They have four children that all work and are productive and that are good parents and are good aunts and uncles and all those things. We um, contribute to society in different ways. Um, so if you look at, if you want to just measure success, my parents did pretty damn good. Um, none of us joined gangs. None of us went to jail. I don't think I didn't go to jail. None of us broke the law on a regular basis. <laughs> just kidding. We didn't break the law. Um, you know, I mean, I have these eight children. If it wasn't for my parents, I wouldn't have these eight children, my 12 grandchildren. So there's so many good things to look at in life. And I just want you to, God damn, this weekend, if you can just take, just take a minute, one minute, and just think of all the good things you have in your life. Okay. I have a beautiful wife. She's supportive. She's caring. She just sent me a text a minute ago. Um, that she was proud of me. I mean, you know, what else could you, could you ask for? So anyway, that storytelling, the last thing I'll say about it, and I'll get out of your hair here and stop ranting. Be careful with that story. Tell the story, pick the positives out of that story. The negatives don't matter. The negatives are anchors. You don't need anchors right now. <clears throat> you need those positive things. You need what you learned, what you got, what you inherited from them their personality you you need to look at those good things that happen in life you smiled your parents loved you um maybe they didn't know how to love you but they do love you and they did things discipline things out of love and they did they did the best they could with what they had to work for, work with look at the resources we have now compared to the resources they had they had nothing in resources and they still did good and um they contributed to and they had value and they showed us value in life. So that's what I'm asking you. I'm going to leave you with. So a couple of things. One, share these podcasts for me, please. I need listeners. And as I do more marketing, I'll get more listeners. But I don't think I'm giving bad information. I think I'm giving information from the heart. And I think that's important. Um, if you want to be a guest or if you know somebody who wants to be a guest, edfranklin.nolimits at gmail.com. Super easy. Um, I don't, you know. I don't use everybody that they suggest because sometimes they just don't fit in the, into my, my plan. But if you know somebody, you know a celebrity, you know somebody that could get on here, I, would, I can guarantee you if you know a celebrity that gets on here, I will not do what other, like these news reporters do. I just want to have a conversation. I'd rather just have a conversation about their normal life instead of their celebrity because I think for two reasons. One, I think they, they want to tell that. And they probably have a pretty good story as to what drove them to do and what they're doing now. And the third thing is find those positives in your life. Go back through your life. Remember those times you smiled. Remember those wedding days. Remember those uh, birthday parties. Remember those, you know, that first kiss. Whatever whatever you got to remember to put a smile on your face. Those, that's what you need to tell. That's what your story needs to be. Because what you tell people, you're telling yourself. So when you get up in the morning... I don't care how hard it is. I don't care how bad you look, how bad you think you look. Look in your eyes. Put a smile on your face and your eyes will change. You know, it takes like four times the muscles to frown than it does to smile. I know that's just one of those weird cliche things to say, but I'm just happy that I'm healthy enough to do these things, that I've learned enough technology to do these things. And I'm happy that at some point I'm gonna, I might help your kids or 
I might leave you smiling from a podcast or from a conversation we have, and that's all I would care about. So I do love you. I do want you to be successful in whatever it is. It doesn't have to be business, just whatever it is. And I appreciate you listening. And um, this next week's podcast is going to be really good. And then I got a special podcast I'm doing a week, uh, the week of the 24th. And that's going to be a fun one. So anyway, I appreciate you. Um, I hope you, uh, like I said, keep listening to my podcast and be positive. You know, it's impossible to do it 24 hours a day, but if you can do it an hour a day, you're ahead of most people in the world. So keep doing what you're doing and I'll talk to you soon. 